If you're looking for a trusted source of natural supplements, look no further than NutritionW.com. Since 1979, Nutrition World has been a staple in the Chattanooga community with dedicated research specialists that stay ahead of the trends to make sure you have the most reliable products available at the most competitive prices. All of their supplements are vetted for quality, effectivity, and potency and shipped using the utmost care with cold packs included in each and every order. You can shop online now at NutritionW.com and choose from thousands of your favorite supplements, sports nutrition, pet, and specialty food products today. Nutrition World, partners on your wellness journey. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Holistic Navigator Podcast, where we talk about all things holistic health and believe in the body's ability to heal itself, if given the proper nutrients and care. For those of you who may happen to be new to the show, let me say welcome and thank you so much for listening today. My name's Brian Strickland, I'm the producer, and I'm joined in the studio today by our host, Ed Jones. And our goal is to simply educate anyone who may be interested in learning more about natural holistic healing. We're excited today to speak with Dr. David Brownstein, a board certified family physician and one of the foremost practitioners of holistic medicine in the country. We're talking about a handful of topics today ranging from thyroid function to blood pressure. And with that being said, that's it for me. So let's go ahead and start the show and let me hand it over to our host, Mr. Ed Jones. Thank you very much, Brian. Uh, Yes, I am so excited to have one of my most popular people that I have followed for probably 12 to 15 years. And his name is Dr. David Brownstein. And I want to welcome you, Dr. Brownstein, to the the Holistic Navigator. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, You know, I've been doing this career of holistic nutrition for going on 41 years in January. So that will be a very soon, of course. And I have been a follower of so many people that I respect and who are really brave soldiers in this path of holistic nutrition health, especially those who are able to see through the fog and not be uh, uh, captured by the pharmaceutical uh, influences. And I know your, some of your history, Dr. Brownstein, is you are a, a, a board-certified family physician, one of the foremost practitioners of holistic medicine in this country, and a medical director of uh, holistic medicine in West Bloomfield. Uh, and in, you have lectured internationally. I actually met you about probably t- uh, nine, eight years ago in Nashville, Tennessee, at a medical conference. I was up there with a friend of mine, Dr. Charles Adams, and uh, spent two or three days there and, and uh, really enjoyed talking to you at that time. Uh, you, I know you have practiced holistic medicine for probably about two decades, and you do specialize in the use of vitamins, minerals, herbs, natural hormones, but you also embrace so many other things like kinesiology, acupuncture, nutritional therapies in your practice. And you've written many books. You've written 10 that I've read every single one of. And I also get your newsletter. So uh, quite aware of your philosophy and your teachings. And so, you know, I'm a person who certainly talks the talk and have for four decades. And I'd like to get your, uh, of course, information, your opinion on about three topics, one of which is on iodine. I am been so 
enamored about the power of iodine and the fact that I think, and you clarify this, most physicians in the 1930s actually carried iodine with them in their doctor's bag because it has such a a wide range of applications for sick patients. So let's talk about that because your book on iodine, uh, which is, of course, labeled Why You Need It and Why You Can't Live Without It, is phenomenal. We uh, actually sell it and recommend it highly. So tell us, tell the listeners about why we need to have this in our toolbox of remedies and perhaps also for prevention of health declines. Well, iodine is an essential item, item we can't live without. And either we get it from our food or we supplement or problems develop and eventually we'll die without it. But the, you know, the, the, the history of iodine goes back, you know, hundreds of years and the iodine you're referring to that, you know, I recommend for most people is Lugol's solution in the 1800s. Um, after Dr. Lugol in the early 1800s, after Dr. Lugol developed Lugol's solution, which is 5% iodine and iodide in a potassium solution. Um, it was widely used in medicine for almost any condition. And the number one thing that was killing people back then was infections. And iodine is known to have strong anti-infective properties. No bacteria, parasite, yeast, virus has been shown to be resistant to iodine. Um, So doctors liberally prescribed it till the early 20th century. And once patent medicine um, took hold after World War II, iodine kind of fell out of favor because uh, it wasn't a patentable substance. substance. It was very cheap. And doctors became you know, enamored with pharmaceuticals um, and iodine salt came into play, which we'll talk about soon. But, you know, after that, iodine wasn't really recommended by doctors and it fell into decline. And what's happened over the years is our iodine levels have actually fallen over the last 50 years and we've become more iodine deficient and that set up a whole host of problems. Wow. And yes, and I, uh, I personally, you know, always take some iodine. I also keep it uh, in reserve in case I was not feeling well. But I know there's a lot of confusion about dosing of iodine. I know that there are people who, who think that there's enough in the junky salt that we have, and that's, of course, not true. But then the dosing of the nutritional supplements does range from about 1.5 milligrams up to probably about 60, and you certainly can clarify that. One of my concerns, and I've, uh, I and you help me with this, is I know that if there's a few select clients, patients, that if they do too much iodine, is there a risk of creating hyperthyroidism, which, of course, is an overactive uh, thyroid, which then can cause another host of problems? Is that a real issue with, with the higher dosings? Well, sure, it's an issue, but luckily, not a very common issue. And over uh, 19 years of using iodine in my practice, um, had a, I've had, uh, I can count three or four patients that I thought developed a problem or developed hyperthyroidism due to iodine. So iodine is only contraindicated in individuals with an autonomously functioning nodule in their thyroid gland. What that means is a piece of the thyroid has sort of developed on its own and it's lost the body's controls. And so when you give iodine, it'll start making a lot of thyroid hormone. And you know that's the case because these people feel it with the first or second dose of iodine. They get nervous, jittery palpitations, and they don't like it. 
Um, the, the only way to tell that is to, you know, be to, as a physician to be good with your hands and palpate the thyroid and see if there's any nodules. And number two, if you feel any nodules, you get a, uh, uh, an, an uptake scan of the thyroid and you're looking for a hot nodule when it takes up a lot of iodine. Like I said, I've had three cases in 19 years. My partners have had a couple of cases. It's not very common when we have, you know, 99 plus percent of our patients taking iodine. And what is the the range that you generally are prescribing iodine for the general patient, not one specific with problems? Uh, what range are you uh, recommending? Well, the RDA for iodine, um, which was established in the 1920s, um, is a, is 150 micrograms per day, and a little bit more in pregnancy and lactation, but. When the RDA was established, we were having a goiter epidemic across the Midwestern United States. In fact, it was across the whole entire United States, but worse than the Midwest, you know, where, where I am. Mm-hmm. And that includes the Great Lakes area, Michigan, Indiana, Illinois, Ohio. And then if you just draw lines straight down the country, it's all the central United States. Um, so the, the U.S. government was worried about this goiter epidemic because it was Gordy was occurring in animals as well, and the animals weren't growing to the right size, and the animals were suffering from thyroid problems um, in those areas because there wasn't enough iodine in the soil and the food. So there was a worry that as the human population expanded in the early 20th century, that we would outstrip our ability to feed them. So this went up to the highest levels of government, and studies were done in Michigan and Ohio to look at what's the minimum amount of iodine we give to animals to give them normal thyroid function and prevent goiter. And what they found was when they, 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 the minimal amount was about 150 micrograms, you know, for a human size. And um, so that's how iodine salt became available. And they, that's what the amount they put in um, to supply about 150 micrograms per day. And um, at that time it was, it was a pretty good therapy. It was really one of the uh, first public health um, events that were very positive for mankind. And, you know, the goiter epidemic went down and the animals, you know, stopped having thyroid problems and their goiter problems. And they started procreating and growing to the right size. And um, it was a successful public health campaign. The problem over the years has been that um, People are using less iodized salt now. In fact, there's studies that show that there's estimates that somewhere between at least 50% and 80% of households don't use any iodized salt. And number two, our exposure to toxic chemicals like bromine and fluoride have gone up over the years. And these things cause you to lose iodine in your body. So actually, over the years, our iodine requirements have gone up compared to our predecessors, our grandparents and great-grandparents and so on. So we have a higher iodine requirement now than they did because our exposure to all these toxic elements are much higher. Mm -hmm. And we're not getting it in, so we're we're suffering from iodine deficiency problems. So the, the, the quick answer to your question is for an average person, how much iodine do they need in today's toxic world? My experience has been about 25 milligrams for most people. And that's a combination of iodine and iodide as found in Lugol solution. If you have, if you have diseases of the endocrine tissue where iodine concentrates, 
which includes the breast ovaries, uterus, prostate, pancreas, and thyroid, generally you'll need a little bit more than that. Wow, that's wonderful information. Let me ask you your advice, because I've been telling advising clients for many years that have concerns about the potential of this high dose turning it into a hyper. What I kind of tell them is I want you to take your true resting pulse rate at least twice before you start this. And if you start feeling funny, do it again. And if your pulse has gone up 10 to 12 beats a minute for no other apparent reason, you might consider playing with the dose and getting off of it and seeing if it, you know, goes back to normal. Is that good advice? I think that's reasonable advice. And the other thing you can tell them is, look, people know when they're hyperthyroid, they get nervous jittering palpitations. Mm -hmm. If you feel nervous jittering palpitations, generally they're going to feel with the first or second dose of iodine, then, you know, checking the pulse rates and, you know, all that stuff can really help to see. It's it's really rare. I I don't see it happen very often. Well, yeah, I think it's overblown with the concern, but that's what a lot of people are asking. And, I, you know, I never knew that that animals were having the problems with the low iodine. That's so interesting. Uh, And before we move on to the next subject, so what are the common symptoms for your patients who do have iodine uh, insufficiencies? What is common? According to the National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey, which the U.S. government does every eight to ten years, Iodine levels across the United States have fallen over 50% and nearly 60% um, over the last 40 to 50 years. So the vast majority of Americans are suffering from iodine deficiency. And I can tell you the majority of those are severely iodine deficient in in testing thousands of patients over the years between me and my partners. Mm. Um, So some of the... One of iodine's main jobs in the body is to maintain a normal architecture of the glandular tissue. That includes, as I said before, the thyroid, ovaries, uterus, breast, prostate, pancreas, um, and thyroid, if I didn't mention it. Um, And iodine's job in those tissues, well, one of its jobs is to maintain the normal architecture of the glands. So in iodine deficiency, the first thing that starts to happen in the glandular tissue is you get cysts. And... If, this, if the iodine deficiency goes on longer, the cysts become hard and nodular. If it goes on longer, they take a hyperplastic appearance, which is a microscopic appearance that is a precursor to cancer in those tissues, which is the end stage of iodine deficiency. And that correlates exactly with what we're seeing in our country right now. We have one in seven women with breast cancer, one in three men with prostate cancer. We have epidemic increases of pancreatic, ovarian, and uterine cancer. Thyroid cancer is the fastest growing cancer. Um, I say all these conditions are related to iodine deficiency. Um, so, you know, one of the symptoms that you asked about can be cysts in the glandular tissue. Fibrocystic breast affects 80, over 80% of U.S. women right now. Women are suffering from cysts in their ovaries. Um, there's cysts and nodules in the thyroid occurring at epidemic rates, pancreatic cysts. Um, occur, you know, in prostate problems. Uh, one in three men have prostate cancer. Um, again, I relate all this to iodine deficiency. Wow, that that is a uh, uh, alarming, of course, and you know I'm aware of it, but the, the general public and, and certainly the normal conventional health practitioners simply are totally unaware. And I know that you know there's a whole page of other things from you know hair, skin, energy, temperatures, all that, and you know, I will con- 
continue to, you know, give my advice to clients that we have to address this because it's not coming from their normal foods. And because of soil depletions, because of no iodine, because of all this, uh, it is just a mandatory thing. And I love the fact that you, which you understand all too well, and I do too, that when physicians today, conventional ones, they don't, they want the newest, the greatest, the shiniest new items, which are patentable, because the patent is what allows the pharmaceutical industry to have the power to come in and educate them slash brainwash them into the newest and greatest. Of course, that's profit driven most of the time, not always. There Occasionally, there are some really great drugs that are being uh, invented, uh, but not that many as we know. So uh, I, and I know on your website, and I want everyone to know Know this that at uh, drbrownstein.com, he has a great website. He has uh, the ability to get an ebook, his ebook on iodine, uh, why you need it and why you can't live without it. So if you want to, you know, get that, you know, you can do it, or you can order any of his books off of uh, any of the sites that uh, you can order books. Second question about a different topic. I know it kind of is the cousin to the iodine conversation, but you know. People who are having this this super low thyroid, I want to talk just a little bit about all of the ones who come in and I'm speaking to that say the same thing, which is, oh, my doctor checked it and it's fine. But the truth is their scale of of the TSA scale is, to my opinion, is, you know, far too wide. Secondly, is they're looking at TSH, which is for people listening, the pituitary uh, is basically telling the thyroid that it needs to pep up when you have a uh, an altered TSH number. Well, the thing is, that to me, and, and you tell me this, this is just one part of the answer. I think symptoms should be another part of the evaluation. And so many women especially have lost 10 to 15 years of better quality life because they've been told they're normal. And normal's not good, is it? Well, so the thyroid gland's a, a small gland, a butterfly-shaped gland in the lower part of the neck that produces thyroid hormone. And... Thyroid hormone is is like iodine essential for life. We either produce enough or we develop problems. If we don't produce any, we'll die. Um, so the thyroid gland has the highest concentration of iodine in the body, and it's very sensitive to iodine status. So if iodine levels have truly fallen 50 to 60% um, over the last 40 to 50 years, as the government's own studies show, um, you can rest assured the thyroid gland is going to be affected in the vast majority of people out there. And the thyroid gland is supposed to produce thyroid hormone. Thyroid hormone interacts with every cell in the body to maintain good metabolism, to produce heat, to produce energy. Um, and the effects on the body are like what you mentioned. You know, the, the number one complaint I see with people is they're fatigued and, you know, they're, they're tired and they're, you know, that's their biggest complaint. Um, but the thyroid can also affect hair growth. You know, hair loss can be a sign of low thyroid. Puffiness in general, they, they maintain extra fluid on their body and they gain weight and they have difficulty losing weight. Um, they're cold. Uh, they have poor nails, dry skin, um, and a host of other problems that go with it. So, yes, we are seeing an epidemic of thyroid problems um, that's being driven in part from iodine deficiency as well as other things. I mean, the thyroid is very sensitive to a lot of pollutants in the environment, which we're continually exposed to at ever-increasing levels. And as you mentioned, the thyroid blood tests, um, the, re the reference range is too wide. So it misses too many people who really are suffering from hypothyroidism, even though 
uh, their physician will tell them, well, you're in the reference range. Well, I've lectured to doctors for 20 plus years on this and we go through the reference range. I show them how the reference ranges are derived and where the problems are with the reference ranges. And even in the reference range, people can be suffering from hypothyroidism because um, that range is just too wide. That is that's so informative because uh, in my area, at least here in Tennessee, uh, we don't have people like you. They uh, they seem to meander themselves to other states more than they do here. We have maybe a couple, but, uh, you know, so it's tough for the client patient when they're told from their supposed expert that they're perfectly fine uh, and yet they're not. And the thing is, I like the fact that and I tend to forget the fact that puffiness can be one of the symptoms of this. Uh, before I move on uh, to the next thing on the next subject, I want to ask you one last question. If you personally uh, were feeling that you were getting sick from a pathogen, a flu, a cold, do you up the dose of your thyroid or you just keep doing the normal amount? Well, the taking thyroid hormone um I meant iodine when I said that instead of thyroid. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yes, iodine has strong antibacterial, antiviral, antiparasitic, anti-candida properties. There's been no pathogens been shown to be resistant to iodine. So yes, you can take more iodine. Now, um, it's better to be taking iodine and have your levels up when you become ill because you'll be less ill and won't last as long and your body good over it quicker. But yes, I can have. I sometimes tell people. I frequently tell people take a little bit more iodine when they're sick and then drop their levels back down when they're feeling better. What is the maximum dose? About 60 milligrams would be my guess, but I'm guessing. There's no maximum dose. I have people on hundreds of milligrams. Really? People with cancer, the breast, the ovaries, uterus, prostate, pancreas. Um, you know, if they have stage four cancer, um, you have to get iron concentrations up high enough in the body to get that. It's called an apoptotic effect or a cancer killing effect. Mm -hmm. And, um, you can't do that with RDA amounts of iodine. I show that when I lecture to doctors and I go through the, the physiology and biochemistry behind that. Um, so there's, there's really no maximum dose. Albert St. Georgie, the discoverer of vitamin C in the 1920s, um, wrote about his, his experience with iodine. He was taking a gram of iodine or a thousand milligrams a day in looking the form of the solution. Um, so I have many of my patients on a couple of hundred milligrams, depending on what I'm trying to accomplish with it. I love that. I love that. And last question. Do you feel that the morning temperature test is a good at home method to kind of look at the, uh, the uh, whether it's low thyroid function or not? Well, that's a good question. Um, you know, one of the reasons I wrote my books was to educate my patients so they can make better healthcare decisions. And I talk about that temperature test in my thyroid book. And it's the first morning temperature before you get out of bed. It's called a basal body temperature. And the idea behind it is the thyroid hormone is needed to raise the meta metabolic rate of the cells and produce heat. So people who are low thyroid are cold all the time and they'll have a low basal body temperature. So you can use that first morning temperature um, while they're lying in bed. And I have the reference ranges in my book on, you know, what's normal, what's not, um, and give you a guide on, hey, perhaps I have a thyroid problem. Is it a perfect test? No, it's not a perfect test, but it's a pretty good test and it's a pretty good monitor of thyroid function. 
I um, love that. And I did do a holistic navigator myself on the, my education of thyroid. And I did mention that and certainly mention you on there. So they can, listeners can go back to the one that I did that talks a little bit more about that. One of the the last newsletter you sent out, my friend, the one 2020 January on blood pressure is so enlightening because, as, as you know, as well as I, that the mass amount of misinformation that is being funneled to the public in order to sell more drugs is just it's sad. It's it's it angers me. I'm sure it does you at times. And. You know, there's a time and place for the right drugs. There's no doubt. And we have people who need to be on, you know, strong medication for blood pressure. But the thing is how you talked about in this newsletter, which makes such common sense. And I've, I've talked about many of the things you've said for years is you cannot expect a 60 year olds to have the same blood pressure as a 20. And the only way you're going to get the 60 year old to probably have it is to super medicate. And then you've got a whole new list of potential problems that that patient's not being told when they walk out of that office and go to the drugstore to get those drugs. Uh, and so I love the fact, and, and you clarify this, you know, you're saying that in your practice that you're advising people uh, to do a 90 plus their age for the systolic. The systolics is the higher number, diastolic's the lower number. And so if I'm 63, which I am, so it would be 90 plus 63. 153 would be my limit for the top. Is that what you're saying? So blood pressure certainly can be a problem. If it's too high, it can cause kidney problems and strokes and heart attacks um, and can really, you know, be detrimental and, you know, cause death if it gets up high enough. So it should be taken seriously. The, the problem is the, the conventional powers that be have arbitrarily or semi-arbitrarily, you know, put a normal blood pressure as anything, you know, less than 120 over 80. And in my writings and in my research, you know, I make it clear that, you know, less than 120 over 80 is fine if you're young, you know, I'm, you know, 20 years old or so. Um, but as we get older, for the vast majority of us, you know, less than 120 over 80 is not going to perfuse the brain well enough. You know, the, the body has to pump blood from the head to the toes 24 seven. And when we're young, there's a lot of elasticity and a lot of collagen in our arteries and veins, and you can, it can move blood very nicely and easily through the body that we lose some of that elasticity as we get older, just a consequence of aging. And so the body needs a higher blood pressure generally as we get older to pump blood, you know, head to toe. And, um, you know, for older people, you know, many of them lower blood pressures and sometimes not a great thing. So that's why there's so many side effects with blood pressure pills because they can cause people to be dizzy and they'll fall, break a hip or, you know, hit their head or something, or they give them brain fog and they can't think clearly. You know, I just went through this with a patient yesterday in the office who, you know, he's in his mid seventies and his blood pressure was uh, 110 over 60. He's complaining dizziness and I, said to him, look, I think, you know, you're over medicated right now. I think we need to, you know, lower your medication now, let your blood pressure come up a little bit. And um, now there are some older people that have low blood pressure their whole life. They're in the minority. Um, so really the only way to maintain those recommendations, less than 120 over 80 in your older years is by drugs. So pharmaceutical companies set up a great, a great guideline. The guideline is, Blood pressure should be less than 120 over 80 forever. And 
that's just not going to happen to people 50 years and up. Um, so they're all going to need medication for their blood pressure. And, you know, that's why we're over medicating people. And, um, you know, the mortality from blood pressure and the big problems occur when the systolic pressure is above 180. Um, so, you know, you know, in that newsletter that you're talking about, um, you know, I wrote one of the reasons we're having so many blood pressure problems is people aren't drinking enough water and they're dehydrated. And if they don't have enough blood volume, which water helps to maintain, the body's going to have to tighten up blood pressure and raise it to pump a smaller volume of blood from head to toe. So in that newsletter, I talk about some natural things you can do to keep blood pressure down. But I also talk about, you know, don't get so worried if you don't follow in those guidelines and you're, you know, you're not 20 years old. Yeah, that's great advice because, you know, it's it and, and you know, all well, too well, that the conventional health professionals use fear as a motivating factor so well. And the, the, the patient is just like he can't even he or she can't even think for themselves because they've been like you're walking time bomb. You know this. We've got to get this under control immediately. And, you know, I separate the world into two different classes of people, and I say this often on The Holistic Navigator, is in, uh, into these two groups, learners and non-learners. Today's times, if you are a non-learner and you're not willing to embrace the conversations that need to be looked at as far as your health and your future, you're doomed. You're basically doomed if you are going for the traditional advice. You will be the average Tennessean where we are is on 17 prescription drugs per year. And I'm, I'm sure it varies across the country. But, you know, we know that that is their only thing in their toolbox. And it's very, very frustrating and sad. Uh, and they're told not to say much about anything holistic. You are from the other world. You have highly trained. You have experience in seeing the power of, of using foods from the earth, using supplements, uh, using less drugs. And I know on the newsletter for blood pressure, you also talked about using salt, which is, you know, demonized in this country as being a terribly unhealthy food. It's not if it's the right one using the right dose. Uh, and you are so right. The amount of people I've seen that have had low blood pressure their quality of life is generally not as good as it would be if they were more in the in the good range. But uh, that is, you know, I want to encourage people who are listening to sign up for your newsletter, Dr. Brownstein. It is probably the most informative of any, and I've got them all. I mean, everything from the early Whitakers to the life extensions to you name it. I scour the landscape because I want to I want to know things so I can share things on not only the Holistic Navigator, but on my, my private personal consultations. And so people uh, who want to subscribe, uh, they just go to drbrownstein.com. Is that how they do it? Yes, they can. There's a link to it from my website. They can also go to newsmax.com and just type in my name. Absolutely. And we will also have a link for them to find it uh, very efficiently, too, because I'm my, you know, I'm got to an age now where it's, you know, I'm not I want to accumulate partners in this next journey of my life in this field of health, holistic and nutrition. And those those then you're going to be one of those partners, which you have been, but you didn't know it. And I think, you know, many of us are under the gun. We are swimming upstream, especially in this part of the country as, you know, a, a kook, a voodoo, all the things that conventional people want to you know, put us down for. And I just think you are a true hero. I think you're a gladiator who has the guts to stand up 
and say what you believe. And it's not from a profit motivation, motivation, because you're not, I mean, you're selling, you have 10 books, people should have all 10, but that's, and you do sell some other things, but it's obvious to me, you're selling truth and it's free almost if you just want to read some of your things. And even your newsletter is so reasonable that it's just worth every stinking penny. So I'm encouraging everyone to, if you only can pick one newsletter to learn about holistic health, I want you to pick Dr. Brownstein's because I know you will be very pleased with that. Thank you so much. And it's a, I actually pulled it up on my computer. It's called Natural Way to Health. Dr. Brownstein's Natural Way to Health. There you go. Look, I only write about what works and what doesn't work in my practice. And I'm in the, I'm on the front line. I'm seeing patients, you know, full-time practice and I enjoy it. And, you know, I, I study what I do and I can write about what works and doesn't work. And, you know, I, there's no, there's no punches pulled there. You know what I write. Yeah, I, I can, I can attest to that. It's very obvious. And uh, again, I thank you so much. I hope we can do this again in maybe a few months and cover three other subjects, but uh, I appreciate it, Dr. Brownstein. I hope someday to see you again. If you're ever in this part of the country, I'd love to have a, a meeting or have you give a lecture or anything else, but uh, you enjoy uh, 2020. We will hopefully be back with you again. And again, thank you from my deepest, deepest heart for spending your time to uh, educate everyone over this last 40 minutes. So uh, we will we hopefully talk to you in a few months, okay? Well, thank you for having me and let's do it again. And that was such an amazing interview with Dr. Brownstein. It, it just so reconfirms the truth about the subjects of iodine, thyroid, and blood pressure. And you know, there's one thing when you listen or you hear people who are well-read or well you know, educated, and I value that. But the person on the front line is the person who is seeing clients and patients every single day and has the, the academic background or the experience, plus they have the ability to put together and connect the dots of, okay, I did this and it did work. I did this and it didn't work. And and they start, you know, fine-tuning this path of advice and health and education for individuals who need it. And we need to have a team approach, which I've spoke endlessly about. Do not expect your normal conventional physician to be the full team. They're there for acute care medicine. What is that? That is you have strep throat, you have a sprained ankle, you have a tick bite, you have something else going on. They're wonderful, wonderful they're not trained in chronic disease or truly prevention of disease. They're simply not. And so we need to combine our forces and we're going to use people like your conventional people and others similar to Dr. Brownstein and uh, maybe some local people who are very, very well trained and experienced. So all of you, the best to your year of health. We are going to help you optimize it. And so stay tuned for an uh, episode after episode. We got some exciting ones coming up. Have a blessed and fiercely happy and healthy day. Thank you. The information on this podcast and the topics discussed have not been evaluated by the FDA or anyone of the medical profession and is not aimed to replace any advice you may receive from your medical practitioner. The Holistic Navigator assumes no responsibility or liability whatsoever on the behalf of any purchaser or reader of these materials. The Holistic Navigator is not a doctor, nor does he claim to be. 
Please consult your physician before beginning any health regimen.